Good morning everyone, or afternoon, or evening, or whenever you're choosing to listen in, and uh, what a privilege it is to be able to share this time with you. Um, I'm going to pray, let me pray, we're going to be looking at a few verses in Mark chapter 4, 5, and uh, even into Mark chapter 7 today, so um, if you want to get your Bible and uh, make your way towards Mark Mark's gospel. So Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this chance to be able to worship together, um, to be able to open up your word. And so I pray again that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. And as we listen in, as we, as we are eager to learn together and to grow together and to, to challenge uh, one another, to be sharpened by one another, I pray that in our listening, in our response to your word, that you would be pleased. So give us open eyes, open ears, open hearts to what you would want to do and say among us today. Uh, so we thank you. We thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are for us. Thank you that you want to speak to us for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Amen. Hope, hope you're all well. Hope um, if you've had a good week. Um, Mark chapter four. I'm not going to spend. Uh, I don't want to spend much time um, going over the ground that we've covered over the last number of weeks. So I would encourage you, if you're willing to continue to wrestle with this idea of going to the other side, that you'd um, listen back to the last number of weeks. And um, we've been challenged by um, Philip going to the other side responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit uh, in Acts chapter 8 and then Neville had us in Luke 10 with the Good Samaritan. Uh, we looked at the life of um, Peter and the life of Paul uh, with that similar sort of theme of being willing to listen to the Spirit uh, as he calls us to go um, to the other side, uh, to those that look different from us, to those that think different from us, those that are in many ways different from us and so as i've uh, referenced it several times i thought it would be good as we maybe bring this idea to, to a close i think what we want to do in our sundays in august is going to look a wee bit different um so we just want to bring i suppose if we can even call this a series we want to we want to wrap it up just by looking at jesus and uh, and so mark chapter 4 verse 35 says this that day when evening came he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side leaving the crowd behind they took him along uh, just as he was in the boat there were other boats there were also other boats with him and then the story goes on uh, and maybe you will be familiar with the story where jesus calms the storm uh, this uh, furious squall it says in my niv version the waves were breaking over the boat Jesus was in the stern sleeping uh, on a cushion, we're told. Um, the disciples woke, teacher, don't you care? And Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves and says, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And just I've been reflecting on that just, just over the last um, day or so. Uh, I, I think that's the constant invitation of Jesus. I think we see it enough times throughout the book of Acts. I think we've seen it enough times throughout uh, the missionary journeys of many people throughout history. Uh, their willingness to go uh, over to the other side. 
And the reality is, the truth is, by making that step, by, uh, by turning in that direction, inevitably you're going to face many obstacles. You're going to face many storms. There's going to be many challenges that will come your way when you uh, step uh, over to the other side. And we've seen that in the life of, of Paul. What it meant, the obstacles that he faced by, will it, by being willing to go to the other, by being willing to go and bring the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles. There's very, very few people within the, the religious, the hardened religious circles wanted uh, this message to go any further than their own little circle, than their own little silos. And so the, I think there's something in this story that uh, gives us an indication when we decide to step outside of what's comfortable, when we decide to step out of the places and the people that we've always known, there is going to be challenge. There is going to be pushback. And I'm really grateful that as we, and we've talked about this before, my fear as we looked, especially as Neville brought us through the story of the Good Samaritan, that maybe when we pass by on the other side, we not just, we, we not just miss those people who need our help. We not just miss those people who need healed and bandaged up from the, how they've been battered and wounded by what, for whatever reason. Not only do we miss that by going over the other side, but I think we could also miss Jesus. And the important thing is that Jesus is there in the midst of it. He's inviting them to let's go over to the other side. And as we get over to the other side, we see the challenges that await them on the other side. And even getting there was a challenge. Even getting there, there was many difficulties to face. But thank goodness, Jesus was there in the middle. He was with them. He was there in the boat uh, as they made their way over to the region of the Gerasenes, we're told, in Mark chapter 5. And so I'd encourage you to, to read the whole of this story. Uh, for the sake of time, I'll not read it all, but uh, they went across the lake. They, they, they made it to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, he was first of all confronted by a man with an evil spirit who had come from the tombs. This man was known among the this region, um, he he was uh, he would have tore the chains apart, broke the iron on irons on his feet, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This was the first person that Jesus encountered as he made his way over to the other side to the region of the Gerasenes. And you wonder what the disciples were thinking. They'd left a place from relative, I know, that they've, I know that what sacrifice they've made, but they've left a place of relative comfort, relative, like the, it's the known, and they're stepping into what is unknown, and they're facing the situation with, a, with this man with an evil spirit, and, a, and Jesus confronts him, and Jesus sets him free, and Jesus restores him. It's incredible. It's a, it's a wonderful story. It, it, in some ways, it's, I don't even know if it is humorous or not, but whenever uh, the people in, the, in this area, whenever they've seen him sitting in his right mind, dressed and, and restored, they were afraid. And those who had seen it told the people all that had happened. And in verse 17 of Mark 5, they say, um, we're told that the people began to plead with Jesus to leave 
their region. They're really sad and and uh, and and the cost that the cost to make the way the cost for Jesus and his disciples to make their way over the other side and to begin to see restoration, to begin to see lives being made whole. But there are there there's a rejection. I don't know whether they're not ready or what it is. But they ask, they plead with Jesus to leave. And so Jesus, Jesus will not force himself. He waits to be invited. That's, that's who he is. That's his nature. And he, gets, he goes to get back into the boat. And this, this man who had once been bound, who had once been possessed, and now set free, now restored, he then begs with Jesus, Jesus, don't leave me here. Can, let me come with you. And maybe surprisingly, surprisingly for us as we read on, we're, we're told in verse 19 that Jesus did not let him. Seems strange. Jesus says, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so I would love us to jump a few chapters here. I'd love us to, to go to Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. Mark chapter 7 verse 31 it says that Jesus left the vicinity of, of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. He's back. Jesus is back in the place where the people had pleaded with him to leave. I'm not sure. Someone could maybe tell me. I don't, I'm not sure of the timeline. I'm not sure how long it was. But Jesus makes his way back to the place that he had been um, where he'd been rejected, where the, where the crowds had pleaded with him to, to leave. He leaves this man who was once demon-possessed, but now restored and set free. And it's a, it's a different reception that Jesus gets as he makes his way back to this region. Incredible. And so the, the, the same people who had begged Jesus to leave, read verse 32. Let's see verse 32. After this really peculiar healing uh, that takes place, um, when Jesus puts his fingers into the man's ears and and, uh, and loosens his tongue and he begins to speak plainly. Um, but verse 32, sorry. They, were, they brought to him the man who was deaf and they begged him to place his hand on the man. I got ahead of myself slightly. But... However long ago, Jesus having made his way to the other side, setting this man free, asking him or telling him, you stay, I'm going to go. You go and tell your family. Tell people about the mercy that the Lord has had on you. And here we have Jesus making his way back to this same region and this possibly, I imagine the same people that had pleaded with him to leave their area are now bringing him this man who was deaf, this man in a different way, bound up, they bring him to Jesus and they beg him to place his hand on the man. It's incredible. I, f- I find it remarkable that this is what can happen. And that is the truth about, about, about going to the other side. Sometimes I think, Maybe naively we can think, well, if we're going to 
going to get out of our comfort zones. We're going to make our way to a different country or a different part of our community where we've never been before. We're going to make our way to a different group of people that we don't know, that we've never um, familiarised ourselves with. And maybe we have this romantic idea that we're going to come in as some sort of heroes and people are going to flock to us because we've made, we've made our way toward them. And that's not always the case. Not always the case in many, many missionary stories that you'll read. That is certainly not always the case. It wasn't even the case here for Jesus. It was weeks or months or whatever, however long it was, um, before they began to see any fruit from making their way to the other side. And I just want to, I just want to finish with the last, uh, with the last wee bit of time that we have. I just want to talk really quickly about a, about a, about a story of a, um, a lady who truly went to the other side. It's, it's um, a story of a lady called Sandra Unger. I was just listening to it uh, like halfway through the week, um, just on a podcast I listened to from Woodland Hills. And uh, this lady was just sharing her story. She's, she's written a book called Tribe. The subtitle is Why Do All Our Friends Look Just Like Us? And that was actually the title of the, of the talk or the talk slash interview style um, podcast that their um, Sunday morning meeting took. So why do all our friends look just like us was the title. And so she opens up, she begins to tell her story about uh, in 2003, her and her husband and her two kids, 10 and 13, moved from safe life, that's how she described it, moved from the safe, comfortable life in the suburbs to the east side of St. Paul. And that maybe won't mean a, a, a big pile to us. This is a it's a part of um, it's a part of Minneapolis, and it was a place that they moved to that was filled with diversity, filled with people that didn't look like them. And in the little synopsis of this of the, her Sunday morning talk, um, this is what it says: We are expected to go through life with friends who look like us. Being close with people who do not like you is unusual in our culture and the church tends to perpetuate this pattern. However, God's kingdom is comprised of people from all kinds of backgrounds that don't look like our own. What will we do about it? Whenever I read that synopsis, I felt like that in many ways that has been the heart of what I've wanted to or really tried to communicate over uh, these last number of weeks, as I've told you, as I've told you many times, this is this is really just the the challenge that I find myself in at the minute as I'm just engaging with the Spirit. What is it that you're saying? Where is it you're, you're calling me to? Where is it you're calling us to? And what is it that we're going to do about it? In light of all the stories that we see, in light of the example of Jesus, in light of all those that were imitating him, the 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 Philips and the Peters and the Pauls of the Bible. We see them imitating Jesus. This was, this was a, a lesson that they seemed to learn. To be with and be close to people who do not look like us. Because God's kingdom is comprised of people from all kinds of backgrounds that don't look like our own. And so, as, and so she, began, she just continued, this lady Sandra began to uh, just 
kept telling her story. It was really inspiring. And then after maybe 20, 25 minutes, she introduced her, her friend um, by a lady called Dee. And Dee was a single mom with six kids who lived in this um, black, uh, uh, black part of St. Paul where she had moved to. She'd become, become one of her neighbours. And so, so this, this white family, relatively well off, moved from the suburbs into this part of uh, St. Paul. And so they have a 20, 30 minute um, dialogue where they're just chatting to each other, sort of like um, back and forth, asking each other questions. And uh, it was really interesting, really interesting to hear them being really honest. And this lady Dee said how the relationship took a lot of time. And I think it's important to hear that. It's important for me to hear that. So we long to, to step into those environments on the other side with people that we, that we don't know, that we have never become familiar with. We need to acknowledge that relationship takes time. For this, for this lady Dee, this single mom with six kids, she, she automatically had this level of distrust. What, what are you doing here? What is it that you want? And even for her, she would, she said honestly at the at like right at the beginning, I didn't think that I had anything to learn. I didn't think I had anything to learn from, from people like Sandra and her family. She said, used similar language that that, that Sandra used from from her perspective. Dee said, it, "I was in my, I was in my comfort zone. I didn't think that I needed to come out of it." She said. She didn't see the value of others being in her life. Isn't that really interesting? It'd be really interesting just to challenge yourself with that. How willing would we be to come out of our comfort zone? Because maybe we think the same. Maybe we think that, that, that we don't need to come out of it. There's no reason for us to come out of it. There's nothing to gain. We don't see the value of others being in our lives. We don't see the value of those from the other side being a part of our lives. I think we need to be challenged with that. I think we need to be confronted with that. And so part of Sandra's um, dialogue with Dee was she talked about the importance of learning about their differences, which it was, for her was important, but also learning about the many things that they had in common, which they would never have known, which they would never have found out if they hadn't have committed themselves to to building trust, to building relationship. I find it interesting again, listen to Sandra say that she didn't feel, didn't feel the need to judge. She didn't, she didn't move into this part of the, of the community to, to, to judge. She didn't feel a need to judge and didn't feel the need to control, but felt the importance of listening. We, we spoke about that. We spoke about that especially in the in the story of of Peter, didn't we? He how before he presented all that he wanted to say to Cornelius and all his family, he first of all asked a question and, and, and listened. And that was the same thing that I heard from this lady Sandra as she talked about her building relationship with people that didn't look like her. And she didn't feel the need to control. But she did feel the need to listen. And as the, and as the conversation just, uh, as the conversation began to, to wrap up, 
she came up with this line that just stuck with me. It was almost like a, it felt like a bit of a throwaway line, but it just gripped me. She talked about her, she sort of summarised her book, she summarised her relationship um, with the people in this community that she went to love and to listen, to lay aside judgement. She said, people will get changed by my love more than by my judgement. And somehow we, I think in the church, we can be guilty of this. We can, we can think that people on, on the other side, people that um, are different than us, that think differently, that look differently, we somehow think that they are going to be transformed. We're going to see change in them by our judgment. And her story, this Lady Sandra's story, is that people will get changed. People will be transformed by my love more than by my judgment. We've, I think we've quoted Billy Graham several times in this. It's, it's, the, it's God's job to judge and the Holy Spirit's job to convict and it's our job to love. And that was certainly the story that came out loud and clear through the, this, uh, this story of Sandra and her friend Dee. At the same time, I've been sometimes listening to this conversation and being challenged by the life of Jesus and those that were imitating him. I've been also reading the book. It feels like it's one of those books that I've been waiting to read for years and for some reason I've never got around to it. And this week I started reading emotional, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. And this is what he said. I think in one of the first couple of chapters. We can end up self-deceived, thinking that we have much to give and therefore little to receive from others. After all, we're the ones who are right, aren't we? And this often leads to an inability to receive from ordinary, less mature people than ourselves. We only really receive from experts or professionals. If I can add, and ones that look just like us. This has always been one of the greatest dangers in Christianity. It becomes us versus them. In Jesus' day, there was the superior in-group of Pharisees who obeyed God's commands, and there was the inferior out-group of sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. And I would do all that I can to avoid what Pete Scazzaro talks about, one of the greatest dangers in Christianity when we create this us versus them. When we set up a superior in-group and an inferior out-group. As I think I've wrapped up the last two Sundays, I suppose I want to wrap it up something similar. Talked about the challenges we've looked at the lives of the Good Samaritan, Philip, Peter and Paul. And I think we see it once again in Jesus. That, that, to, that our challenge, that our response is to be willing to love, to be, to be willing to listen, to be willing to lay aside judgments. And as we talked about last week, we added on uh, when we looked at the life of Paul, to do whatever it takes to win some. For Paul, he did whatever, whatever it took. He became like one under the law, 
or he became like one not having the law. He became like a Jew. He, be, he whatever it took, became all things to all men with whatever possible means to win some. And so we added that on last week, willing to listen, willing to to love, willing to lay aside judgment, and um, to do whatever it takes to win some. And then I want to finish it off again, an extra challenge. And I and I think we see it in the in the story of this lady Sandra and her friend Dee. But more importantly that than that, we see it in Jesus, that we would become their friends, willing to love, willing to listen willing to lay aside judgment, to do whatever it takes to win some and to become their friends. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, whenever Jesus is being condemned by those in the superior in-group, Jesus is condemned because he is with the inferior out-group. And not only is he with them and listening to them and loving them, but they have seen and, and, and called him out that he's actually become a friend. Jesus, the one who is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Isn't that beautiful? And so I'm so challenged. Jesus continues to, to unnerve me in all sorts of ways, to unsettle me. Because as I said before, my default is comfort. My default is sameness. I can't look at the life of Jesus and those that followed him and not be unsettled. If I am, if I've become settled or comfortable, I've stopped looking at Jesus. I've, I've, I've stopped watching him. I've stopped listening to the voice of the Spirit. And so I'm challenging us again with this today. Um, and so I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that you're willing to take on the challenge of this. Um, so I, I'm done. I'm praying that you have a great day. Bless you all. I hope that we um, get to be together um, this afternoon as we hope to worship out in the car park and lift up the name of Jesus uh, in this wonderful little village of ours. Um, so wherever, you're, wherever you are, please come and join us. Uh, we'd love to, to welcome you. Um, the invite is there. Um, but enjoy the rest of your day and I hope you have a wonderful week. Um, bless you all. Thank you.